everybody. I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. And I'm Bree. And, and we're we are are telling on ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, That's baby. Yeah, I, miss yeah. our, I miss our jingle. Now that we're like three months into this, I kind of miss mm. our jingle. I miss well, it a lot. We could probably do it together. We could practice it. Back. If we well, like maybe each did a line, like that would be kind of cool. Well, mm-hmm. I think we could we could actually do it in person. I mean, yeah, it's I ten so. people or less. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. I think we're okay. I think okay. we're ready to take the next we're step. We're going to get later. the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> we're ready to take that next big step. <laughs> yeah. We're going to bring this thing live and in real life. Okay. So I'm going to talk about speaking of this pandemic and how it's affecting our lives and the weirdness of COVID bullshit, whatever it is. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's bullshit. People are truly dying. Um, ooh, look at that. Um, so I, <laughs> <laughs> Lynn missed it. She was looking at something. Just, Look. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. I have to tell you guys something. When Linda and I were driving up here, we were talking and all of a sudden Linda goes, I like looked up and I saw this cloud and it was like kind of weirdly shaped. And Linda's like, does that look like a big penis? I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Perfect penis. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so let's get serious. Um, so what we, what I've just told on myself to these girls before the podcast started was that I am a little misjudgmental when I'm walking into places and people aren't wearing masks. I get a little bit annoyed. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you wear a mask? Is it that so hard to wear a mask? I have all these judgmental feelings and I'm like, well, <laughs> and it is not a good place for me to be because to me, my character defect of self-righteous indignation or whatever the heck it is, self-righteousness are kept me in a bad place for a long time. So that's my version of it. You guys go ahead and share. Well, um, ironically, we were both traveling at about the same time, Vicki, this weekend. I went down to Kentucky to visit my sister's. She finally said, yeah, I'm ready to receive a visitor. And I was telling them I was driving through Indiana and I felt like I was in the Wild West. Everybody was just doing their thing and nobody wearing a mask. And I would go into the store to get, you know, a a drink or something. And people were all up in my grill and I was giving them the stink eye, like, you need to step back. It was very weird. And then when I got back to Kentucky, um, they were more like Illinois. Everyone had a mask. We were very respectful of the social distancing, standing in line, and the whole shebang. So it was a big shock to me. I didn't realize how I had gotten used to so quickly this new normal for us, and I did not like it. I was I was being not as I said, told them before. I I was not a very um, pleasant person when I felt like people were getting in my bubble. Yeah. And I get that way at the grocery store. If I'm like going in for the eggs and then someone comes up hot behind me trying to get like eggs too in the, in the, in the fridge door, like right next to mine, I'm like, that is not six feet. And I kind of do a whole, like, and then, you know, a shuffle backwards and a couple steps like, Oh, okay. You go, you, you go get eggs. I'll just wait for you now. You know? Yeah, I do the same thing and, and do I make it very dramatic production of stepping back. Like, obviously, yeah, that's, like, that's what I'm talking about. I do like a little dramatic, like oh, oh, oh. 
I wasn't doing anything here except getting what I needed. You go for it, though. Please. I don't yeah, do that. Don't bring all your COVID. <laughs> <in my face. laughs> I just have feelings inside. I don't do it outside. <laughs> I'm very outward display. <laughs> One of the things I really don't like is not being able to smile at people. Yes. You can smile with your eyes. I know I have I'm, been I'm doing trying. that. But now that is dramatic. That I find myself being like <laughs> squeezing, squinting, you know, like doing yeah. the cute little winky wink. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think in Kentucky one day I even said, I'm smiling at you right now. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> really, I'm smiling. <laughs> That's hilarious. Lynn, yeah. and I especially love that you called it the Wild West. Like, I just, <laughs> my visual now of Indiana. <laughs> That's what it was like. People just like <laughs> wiping their faces and like oh, yeah. all of the handles and like rubbing it on the counters. Like that Seinfeld episode, if yeah. anyone's ever seen this, where yes. Elaine, the, the chick is like a germaphobe and Elaine just like takes her keyboard and rubs it on her butt yeah. and like takes it off and exactly rubs it all over her. Yeah. And here I am like, you know, taking my elbow to open doors and pulling, taking my shirt tailed <laughs> and glaring the whole time. Okay. I totally felt so guilty though. I was totally having a moment in my own head the other day at Whole Foods. I was like picking up peaches, trying to find which ones were like the most ripe and like picking it mm-hmm. up, putting it down, picking it. And then eventually I was like, I just felt like people were watching me. And, and I, I kind of looked up, but it didn't seem like anyone was watching me. But I had this moment of like, I probably shouldn't be touching all of the peaches. <laughs> and I was like embarrassed. I was like, I hope nobody saw me just like fondling all the peaches. I know. So I'm super guilty. I just totally was like, not even paying attention. Like I should not be touching all the produce. Like I was looking at strawberries and I had to pull my mask down to smell the strawberries because if you can't smell them, they're not going to have a good taste. And I was like, I've got to be able to smell strawberries. (laughs) That's the trick with strawberries. Yeah. You got to smell. What if they smell kind of like, like, like rank, like sometimes they smell kind of too much. Does that mean they're, they're overripe? Yeah, they're, okay. they're on their way to being wine. Okay. <laughs> Fermenting. Strawberry so wine. Melons are the hardest though. Like I have a hard time with cantaloupe and watermelon. Like I'll help you. I'll, I'll show you the tricks. Okay. Oh, with a, this trick with the watermelon, you want a yellow belly. That means it stayed on the ground longer on the vine to ripen. So you want a nice yellow belly. Oh, yellow okay. belly watermelon. Yellow belly watermelon. That would be a good name for watermelon. Yellow belly watermelon. Um, I think it'd be a great name for a band. Yeah, yellow belly yellow water belly. belly. Yeah, that'd be a bluegrass band, man. Or or an alcoholic band because eventually <laughs> alcoholics turn yellow, and we could call them the yellow belly. <laughs> my liver's AKA John Bath. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do we have a topic today, ladies? We do, <laughs> and it's 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 called the spectrum of uh, harms. It's harms. It's, it's harm. It is. We. Is it we hard? Just, it's it's hard. Harms are hard. I harmed it hard. Um. So, <laughs> so this and was in our reading the other day, and it was the spectrum of harms, and it was uh, four different categories. And I'll let Bree read the titles of the categories, but we all liked it so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Lynn has definition corner. 
I got a definition and I did a definition on harms. And it was really interesting when I started looking it up that um, it's all these definitions when people sue for mental harm, mental psychological harm, there's all these crazy definitions. But what I liked was it's a mental disturbance or incapacity that has come about as a result of an event. So I think that tied in well to what Bree's going to tell us about the different categories of our spectrum of harms and I guess self-harm, right? Well, no, no, I think this could be with people or with ourselves. I think that's what we could talk about. Okay. Um, so yeah, this just covers a couple of them. I mean, obviously there's, there's way more than, than this, but this particular book talks about things we might not think are harmful because we do it so unconsciously. And sometimes as Vicki, one of her favorite words, it's so insidious, our behavior on our way to get whatever it is we want or need, including drugs, alcohol, sex, money, whatever it it may be. Coffee, did you say? Shopping. Oh, shopping. <laughs> On our way to get coffee. <laughs> or um, coffee or shopping. Both. Both. Fit. Both. both. <laughs> All right. So the first one is over-responsibility. And then passivity. Emotional absence. And emotional dishonesty. Yeah, so, those are all chock full of landmines, aren't they? Oh, Yeah. 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 So over responsibility. So, so it basically, this is what the book says and I'll just read it. It's from a woman's way through the 12 steps by Stephanie S. Covington, PhD. Um, under, under over responsibility talks about how our desire for control can create power struggles and leave other people feeling incompetent and unappreciated. So basically charging in there, telling people how things are going to be done and, and or just doing them yourself and taking it on is your responsibility to take care of everybody else around you, whether they've asked you to or not, most likely not. Well, thanks for reading that. I didn't notice that in the reading. And that reminds me of a conversation I had with my sponsor recently. <laughs> oh, do tell. Well, she was telling me, I was talking about, it was, it had to do with the workshop And she was telling me that I need to realize my impact because, you know, when you're used to being in a certain lane, um, you can be very creative or you can be very whatever, right? You're used to doing these things and you're not allowing others to maybe participate because you're just sharing your your thoughts. But what she said to me was... um, realize your impact and help, but also slow down first. Slow down because you don't have to be the one that does it. You don't have to be the one that helps and does everything and all this stuff. And um, this was obviously in hindsight. This was postmortem. But then the other part of it was I was having some feelings about, she said, well, why did you try so hard to make it work? I said, well, because we made a commitment to them about um, doing this. And I felt like the district, you know, we were really supposed to do this for the district. And I felt we had to figure it out and all this stuff. And she's like, so you're responsible for the entire district, Vicki? And I said, oh, no. And it was just like dawned on me that I was trying to... 
force, force things. I wasn't allowing space for other people or for other options or for whatever. So that's, that's a big one that I need to work on. Um, I recalled, I think it was a pot, one of Brene Brown's podcasts, because I guess it's my job to quote her now in every one of her podcasts, but she has a different label for it instead of over-responsibility, but it's the same thing. And I think she calls it over-functioning, which I kind of liked as well. So it's not, it's, it, I don't think neither one of these are necessarily a negative label. It's just how we're going to work with it. And she gave this example of her mother had um, a sudden illness. All the kids got to the hospital. They were doling out responsibilities of who was going to do what. And Brene was the organizer. So she, and she's the oldest. So she was like, you do this, you do that, you do that. It was like, somebody go to the house, somebody call this person, you know, doing all the things. And then she started looking at it and she goes, well, I've got to go to the house anyway, so I'll do it. So she initially, what she ended up doing was taking back all the things that she had had um, designated out because she needed to control it because she was in such high anxiety about her mother. And one of her sisters said, you're um, high functioning right now. Can you stop? And because, and we've talked about this so many times when you're with those people and you can communicate in a good way where you don't feel attacked or defensive. Um, but she realized that's how she dealt with anxiety. And that's, and we've talked about this so many times when I'm feeling anxious, I try to control things because that's how I can like get a grip on what I feel like is spinning out of control and the over-responsibility. That's all. The first thing I'll do is like grab whatever I can to control it. And, um, Sometimes I realize it in the middle of it. Sometimes it's not till afterwards, but it's, it's a definite struggle for me. I mean, I think those are honestly, I'll just be honest. Those are like really, I don't want to say harmless ways because we're talking about the spectrum of harms here. Um, mm-hmm. But those are pretty like innocent, I think, compared to like when we're actually making decisions for people and taking responsibility for people. Um, when it's not in their best interest, but we think it is like that kind of manipulation. Like when uh, it's, yeah. these are harms, these are self harms. I feel like the ones that Lynn was just talking about. I do feel mm-hmm. like that those self harms are just as bad as manipulating other people because you're manipulating yourself and you're manipul- yeah. like you're. For me, I think it's almost worse because when I'm that well, whole thing hurts of, you. That whole situation definitely hurt you. Well, and the the other thing was that that when I'm doing that kind of behavior, I am hiding my feelings. Like for me, it's about controlling my feelings. I don't want to feel. I don't want to think. I just want to do, 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 do. Right. So that's when I feel in control because I don't know if it's because I grew up in kind of, you know, big family. Everything was pretty hectic. And I was great in chaos. I was, I could, I could run on autopilot in chaos. But I could not function when things were calm. That's why early recovery, I, I I had no concept. I had no concept of what to do because I was so used to driving the bus in chaos. That's all I did. I'm not yeah. saying manipulating other people is good though. <laughs> no, but when I was when I was a kid and I was in middle school and I would basically thought I was doing my friends a favor by telling them like who to stay away from, like, oh, don't hang out with that person. And you know, and I thought I was like, oh, I'm helping them. That person's awful. Why would they want to hang out with them? Like, I'm just gonna tell them who to hang out with. And it became like my responsibility to and I was acting in their best interest. Hello. Like right. I got no appreciation for it. But I mean, 
it was definitely a, a behavior that was came, came from like possessiveness and fear and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not my business who my who they hang out with. It's none of my freaking business. Not my responsibility to police their friendships at all. When what happens with me when I do this, um, like Vicky probably as well, the resentments that start building up because you're doing all of this and you're not getting any kind of uh, appreciation or whatever it is that you need for validation. Um, but resentments really pile up quick with me when I'm trying to take care of everything because nobody else is going to. And if I don't do it, it's just going to all fall to hell. So I've got to take care of it. And then I do take care of it. And then nobody appreciates it. Well, I, I, rem- I this kind of reminds me something similar. It reminds me of sharing the the load, right? And when people, when, when I was in early recovery, someone said to me something about driving people or how, how dare I try to be so strong and not allow so-and-so to drive me to a meeting because that helps them, right? right? I'm taking away their opportunity to be helpful when I'm trying to do everything or be over responsible or, you know, be tough. Yeah. Tough chick, strong woman. Well, and since I've been 18, well, even before I was 18, but technically, legally, I have been independent. I have not had anyone to take care of me or that I could call, you know, I mean, it was me. I had me. That's it. So that's going to be a pretty thick armor right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Over responsibility. Mm -hmm. What about passivity? Yeah. What about it, Brie? Tell us, tell us. Well, this one is... I feel like we're asking the Swami, please tell us. <laughs> tell us, tell us, Swami Bree. So uh, the passivity, I mean, it's it's about Lois. They actually use a story to describe it. Um, but taking a passive role in relationships, you know, expecting other people to make decisions for you and just you're kind of just along for the ride. And eventually that becomes... It, this whole this whole chapter actually talks about how relationships become unbalanced. You know, ways ways that relationships in our lives can become unbalanced, and we the subtle subtle patterns that contribute to this destructive behavior over time. And so, it talks about Lois and how you know how her drinking gets worse, and her husband makes all the decisions, and she just always thought like he liked making the decisions and and kind of having to plan everything. And, um, but eventually he became resentful because she doesn't take responsibility for anything, let alone herself. Um, so yeah, nobody wants to be your caretaker or your decision maker. Really. I mean, sometimes people do though, actually, I shouldn't say nobody does. Um, but there's, this is more so about bad, you know, bad passivity when you, when you're yeah. putting your responsibility for yourself on the other people all the time. I, I, what I used to do a lot, and I luckily don't do it as much in bigger groups when I feel like there could be conflict and I, and I want to make sure that I'm not part of that conflict. I will defer to everybody and say, I don't care when I do care. And then Bria, you haven't talked about this on a group vacation one time. And so you end up doing an activity that you don't want to, and it's not enjoyable. And you, again, resentment start building up. And I do that, um, 
it's usually like vacation when there's so much pressure and expectations anyway, and you have uh, more than two or three people, um, you're trying to please the group. And so you say it doesn't matter when it does matter. And you should have just give your opinion and your ideas and then move on. That is definitely something I'm I'm, I'm learning because when I was using, I definitely did this whole passivity thing because I thought that would make people like me if I just kind of like went along with the flow and didn't have mm-hmm. an opinion. And well, my opinion was ever whatever your opinion was, you know, so like I'm yeah. good with whatever you're good with. Um, probably because I, I like I like swung the pendulum to the opposite side. I was first super bossy and controlling with my middle school friends. And when that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, I became super duper passive and like, we'll do whatever. Um, and I feel like now I'm on this journey of sobriety. I've definitely been learning how to give my opinion and Hey, if nobody wants to do it that way, being okay with like either doing it myself or deciding like, yes, I'm just going to go along with what everybody else is doing and not having a resentment about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it is. Um, this is something I used to do in relationships, like uh, with men, a lot. I would act like I didn't care, and because uh, I, I wanted to be the cool chick, you know, cool chick, and I don't really care. I'm laid back. I'm easy. I'm whatever. And really, I would just start to just lose my mind, right? Because I do have an opinion and a strong voice, but I just never used it. And in recovery, learning how to use my voice has been, like I said, it's a stumbling. It's a toddle. I've toddled my way into, I'm a little better at it, but I have toddled my way into using my voice because sometimes it comes out like, I don't want to do that. You know, it comes out (laughs) like a dick, you know, instead of being like, okay, well, that's good. Maybe next time we can go to my place, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't have to be so dramatic. And I mean, I think it's, I also think I've seen this behavior in service Um, because I've been doing more service than I've ever done before in our, you know, in, in AA. And it's like, holy cow, I just don't, I can't handle the drama and the opinions. So I just keep mine closed but then all of a sudden they come out like this behavior is it's it's just how I am I hold 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 explode that's that is who I am I hold 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 it in because I really don't care at first or I don't think I care right Mm -hmm. most of the time I don't think I care and I'm I am pretty cool about it but then when someone says something that strikes me as wrong then I have a big opinion and voicing that opinion is sometimes not nice, but Bree, you always notice when I do it well. And I appreciate that about you so much because when you told me, I said, I'm not married to any of these situations. Let's just, you know, figure it out as we go. Right. And, um, and this passivity thing, like this passivity thing is so, um, it goes for the other people too. So when people are passive, I do get resentments when other people are passive, when I'm the only one that's showing up with ideas or showing up to help or showing up, whatever. And other people make everybody that's, you know, the few, the few do the heavy lifting. I think that's shit, you know, and my, and my kids, I need to figure out a way to get them motivated. It's probably going to be money, but I need to figure out a way to get them motivated to do stuff without I don't know a fight without it holding 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 exploding 
Does that make sense? You both oh, are looking kind yeah, of Yeah, no, I just totally agree with one. When you're doing yeah. service, it sometimes feels like there's too many cooks in the kitchen and it can be very overwhelming. That's like, you don't care what other, it's so funny how I, I feel that way too. Like, I don't care what we decide to do until somebody has too many opinions. And then I'm like, okay, nope, you haven't too many opinions now. You can have a couple, but when you, you know, and I'm like, I'm not sitting there offering anything. It's just like, I'm getting resentful because they're too opinionated now. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. But, and then I do feel bad when I know sometimes I, I catch myself being too passive sometimes when I'm in a group and I feel like I do this a lot at work because sometimes I shut down and I'm like, people aren't going to listen to me anyways. And so we'll be doing something as a group and I'll just totally sit back and like, whatever they say, I just write the answers down because I'm like, eh, I'm too cool for this or you know, nobody's going to like my ideas anyways, you know, so I make everybody else make the decisions and I just sit there. Not cool. I'm having deja vu to the extreme right now. Oh my goodness. That, that scene that Lynn is in right now and the scene that Brie is in total deja vu. So weird. I love it. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I think you talk about emotional absence. Oh, emotional absence. That is (laughs) This is. I didn't get to say anything about the passive. Oh, you definitely need to say something about that, don't you? You were just being way too passive. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Too passive. (laughs) Don't be passive. The seeds are doing a good job. You're not being passive. Um, two things. Um, literally, when you have too many cooks, I remember back to culinary school and we'd have to do team projects and everybody ha- thinks that their thing is the best thing. You know, oh my God, that is like the worst freaking nightmare ever. And so you're a student, depending on a grade and a cook, and it's your reputation and, you know, all that stuff gets thrown in there. And what I didn't learn for a long time, but what I still work on in the group setting is to pick my battles. And in my head, I go, this is, this is a non-negotiable. These are the things I don't really care about. And this is what I'm going to fight about. The rest of it, I can sit back and do it, whatever. And that helps me a lot of times to navigate those group kind of dynamics. That's good advice. I go in with such a warped sense that everything is going to be joyful and everybody's going to get along and we're going to collaborate so well. Like I am, I am the epitome of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I think we're all going to collaborate and it's going to come together beautifully. And then every time it's like, goosh, goosh. All right. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you for not being so passive. Literal cooks in the kitchen. I like that yeah. example. But I like that you like I do like um thinking about what are not how did you say not non-negotiables. And yeah. thinking about picking picking your battles, I think is what you said. Yeah, and picking your battles. You know, people I do keep that giving as a bad advice. People literally right. keep giving me that advice since I'm newly engaged and stuff like that. And I feel like I've just been hearing it over and over and over again for the last mm-hmm. couple months. Yeah, it's a recurring theme in my life right now. Well, and you know, it can, you can even do like your pro con list, but it's like the things that I absolutely am not going to give, let go. And then the other things that aren't so important, if it is to somebody else, that's a great tool for the wedding planning. Yeah. Well, in sales, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Well, basically just with this whole passage here is basically saying like, it's not other people's responsibility to take care of you. Like pull your weight, like don't be wet noodle all the time, you know, 
contribute. And one thing that I was going to say is I call it deal breakers. I have certain deal breakers. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's the line that, nope, I am, this is a deal breaker for me. I absolutely want to have a washer and dryer in the unit. And I tell the lady that when I'm, or the man, when I'm getting a place. Yeah. That's so, a deal breaker. Awesome. Okay. The next one is emotional absence. So withdrawing emotionally from the people around us and forcing them to guess at our feelings, wants, and needs. Um, so an attitude of indifference or um, apathy, I guess, um, not being present emotionally, simply put. So when I was growing up, my parents were not the best example of relationships. <laughs> Probably everything not to do. But the thing that I took away from that as a very young child was my mom playing the game of, being mad for days on end and nobody knowing why and having to guess. And I remember such a young age thinking, I will never do that. If I'm mad about something, you're going to know why. So maybe I <laughs> take it sometimes to the extreme, but um, I, I'm so like sensitive to that. So, and I bet that I get real codependent when I think somebody's doing that. And that's something I need to think about. Well, I do, I'm the opposite. So I come from a family that shit got out real quick and it was loud and it was proud and it was ugly, not ugly, but just like people said what they thought. Everybody mm -hmm. said what they thought and everybody had a different opinion because you're dealing with humans, right? And so I, when I got married, I was very much like thinking you get it out, you deal with it right? You deal with the problem. Sometimes you yell, sometimes you don't, but you don't pretend it's not there. Right. Pretending it's not there is not an option. And then when you marry someone who comes from a, the opposite side of the stick, it's very difficult to try and figure out how to disagree and how to mm -hmm. function. I'm not saying I never do this, but I... <laughs> I, I sometimes think I'm way too emotionally present. Like, well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. I agree with both of you, but I also, I, but I do think sometimes I will use this to punish people. I go, I go inward and I get quiet and I become non-responsive and I just kind of stare and like nod and like very arrogant, very like, Oh, I'm going to silent treatment your ass because I'm a, Superior. So above you, I don't even need to say anything. Oh, doesn't even deserve a response. I'm not going to participate in the drama, you know. And that's well, I'll tell I you, um, Bree. It was it was tough for me in the beginning because I didn't know you that well before we started podcasting. I really didn't know you that well, um, and I would get real codependent with you when you were quiet. But I figured out you were processing, so it, it, that was a real toughie for me. You weren't withdrawing; you were just processing. But I was, you know, in my head, like, "Oh God, what what is she upset about? Did we, did I do something? Did I talk over her? Did I say something that bothered? You know, all of that crazy is going on, and it took me a while to get past that." Yeah, I guess for people who can't watch, they don't watch us actually yeah. podcast. I do. Sometimes I get this like blank, lost over like <laughs> look on my face because I'm just thinking mm -hmm. or I have nothing going on in my head, which is even scarier because I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to say next. <laughs> but it does. It comes across as totally like, yeah, responsive. Like you're pissed. Like you're not happy. 
Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's my battle scars from my mom because I was, yeah. you know, what did I'm I do sorry. wrong? She's mad. So what did I do wrong? Yeah. I'm overly emotional. I'm, I, I, I don't really, this one is, you know, I can be emotionally absent. That's not really one of my, my wheelhouses. I am just too emotional. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I could definitely see this emotional absence as being like a huge, huge thing in alcoholic families though. Yeah. Or addictive, like, you know, totally. I mean, well, I, physical absence. <laughs> yeah, but I also remember, you know, some of my friends, like now that I look back, I think I have a couple of friendships from growing up where their parents were maybe drunks. Like I'm looking back and I'm kind of like, oh, in that household, they used to just like scream at each other all the time. And it was so awkward. And I, it, they'd always be like, Brie has to go home now, you know? And I just like was like, dude, their family's crazy. And now I'm, I read this emotional absence part and I feel like I can see that behavior in some of these families' houses. And mm-hmm. I obviously, I can't tell for sure now, but I could definitely see this being like definitely like total alcoholic behavior. Yeah. Um, okay. Emotional dishonesty. So never, never, never. I mean, this one is <laughs> self-explanatory, but it's where we, control our emotions and only reveal to people what we want to reveal. And we might not even reveal the truth. Like what we're revealing emotionally could be exactly the opposite of how we're feeling. Um, Oh God. Yeah. That's a hard one. Sure. That's like um, what I think of is um, like the junior league version of myself you know, it's what, what is it that I was taught I was supposed to present to the world? What is the best version of me? And that's what I'm going to, I'm going to present to the world, no matter what I actually think, feel, or want. It goes to the whole thing about uh, inferiority complex with a egotistic, egomaniac with an inferiority complex mm-hmm. and pretending that you're just grandiose and amazing, but really feeling like teeny, 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 tiny on the inside. And for me, emotional dishonesty is usually tied in with this passivity. Oh. Um, a lot of times. Vicki, I was just thinking that because what you were talking about with the workshop and like, hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, explode. I find myself doing that a lot with like friendships. And then I'm usually call you Vicky and I go, I don't know how to tell this person that I don't like the way they're treating me. And I've been bottling this up forever and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. I don't know how to set my own boundaries. And I've been pretending like everything's okay. And I'm, I'm pissed and I'm ready to explode. Like I do this all the time. It's hard to be honest because we want people to like us and we Mm want to be, I I like what you said, Lynn, like that image we think we need to show the world. And what what, what I've learned in the 12 steps is that people aren't really thinking about me nearly as much as I think they are. I'm obsessed with my own feelings and my own self. And very few people are obsessed with my feelings and my behaviors. Very few people, um, if any because they're worried about themselves, right? They're not worried about me unless I'm getting in their way of them doing what they want to do, right? So when I, I, I think it was so funny when I used to work with people and I know, I, I know since I've been in this program about making amends and, and doing a 10 step quickly and that sort of thing. And I would go and I would make amends with people and, they, and I would say, sorry, I said that. 
I could tell it upset you, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, what are you even talking about? And mm-hmm. I'm telling on myself that I was just completely dishonest with them. So then now they're, they're thinking, okay, now what is her deal? Then it becomes something because I just told on myself that I was saying, ugh, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it is the worst. It's personally harmful is what it is. Yes. <laughs> It affects our psyche. And professionally in that scenario. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and people never get to know who we really are, right? Except we're yeah, sharing it with everybody. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's interesting. You just said that, Bree, because I think I think I will do better and people will like me better if I it's that thing of giving them what I think they want. Who am I to presume to know what anyone else wants? That is not my job. And that's, I did that for so long, um, so, so long, trying to figure out what everybody wanted at each person and trying to that's be why, that for them. That's why not being passive is so much easier on people, is so much, it, it yeah. gives, gives them more freedom, right? They know you're coming from a place of you're telling the truth about what you want, so they don't have to try and figure out what you want. And mm-hmm. And how many times that, you know, obviously the four agreements is is hot on the presses in my brain right now. And that whole thing of making assumptions. I mean, I was a pro at making assumptions of what I thought you thought I was or what I, what I was trying, you know, I, my thinking, my assumptions of what I assumed you were thinking destroyed so many relationships, destroyed Mm -hmm. my self-esteem, destroyed trust destroyed honesty and relationships. I mean, that behavior, that learned behavior. And I think, I don't think we have the market on it. I think every human being does this constantly. And that behavior is so toxic to any kind of healthy relationship. Right. And as community beings, we want to be in a harmonious community, whatever community we choose or we're thrown into. So what's the easiest way to do that? Pleasing, Agreed. please people. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that's yeah. a wrap. I'll, I will, this is a wrap here. I'll wrap it up with a, you know, okay. oh, a sentence here. Um, common thread that runs through all of these harms is that we have the illusion of control over our relationships. We use these behaviors to influence situations to our advantage. And in the process, we hurt others and ourselves by sabotaging the opportunity for honest relationships, which is just what you said, Vicki and Lynn. Mm-hmm. Can you say that very first part again? Illusion of? We have the illusion of control. Yeah. Over our relationships. I love control, that. Yeah. That, like you were saying early on about control and, mm-hmm. you know, better than being out of control. So we think so I thought I think it's way easier to be honest I think it's way easier to have you know not too much responsibility I think (laughs) it's easier to be emotionally present well sometimes and I think being 
emotionally truthful, I don't have to remember lies. I don't have to work so hard trying to figure out what you're doing, what I'm doing, blah, 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 well, blah. People know who you are. And it's like, if they vibe with that, cool, they'll be your friend. And if they don't vibe with it, then they won't. And then you won't find yourself months later being irritated with someone like, why am I friends with this person? It's like, well, you were dishonest about who you were. You didn't, you were That's trying right. things that made you happy, angry, sad, confused, frustrated. Like how? Every relationship ever. That sounds like, like that is how I used to operate. Same. <laughs> I was not who I really was. And no I wonder why those relationships flourish so well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I always struggled with worrying that I was too much for some people. Well, guess what? I am too much for some people. And those aren't my people. And that's okay. Nothing's wrong with them. And nothing's wrong with me. It's just the way it is. But you That's why when you're being yourself, right, just as you are, you're not too much and you're not too little. You are just you. And people yeah. can like it or not like it. It's none of our sure. business what anyone thinks. We don't have to make assumptions. We don't have to take it personally. If Lynn doesn't like me, too bad for Lynn. You know, I'm not <laughs> being arrogant. I'm just being me. Arrogant. Arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I remember telling somebody when I was like in my twenties, um, why wouldn't they like me? I'm awesome. <laughs> Were you drunk? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that. And honestly, I mean, I do believe that it's like, if, if you see me and this is what, it, you know, it's like, what you see is what you get basically. When you buy Coronet, um, <laughs> it was well, a cold commercial. I am guilty. That just made me think of it. I am guilty of like Vicky, you said in relationships, being like, I just wanted to be the cool girl that would like go with the flow. Oh, you know, oh, I'm I'm cool, easy, breezy, flexible. I'm not gonna be a high maintenance biatch, you know. Oh yeah. But then that was emotional dishonesty because then I was like, Oh yeah, I think you're so funny. Ha ha ha. And then like months later, I'm like, this guy's not funny. Like, why was I laughing at all his jokes for three months? You know, like he's not funny. And I do care about that. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah, like why did I tell him I didn't care about that? I do care about that shit. And now I now it's not working. Now this relationship is not working because it was dishonest from the beginning. So. One of the funniest lines from a television show, and Brie, I know you're not afraid, friends is way past your relevance, but it truly was one of the funniest lines ever. Ross and Rachel broke up and Rachel chase, chases Ross out. And she said, it is a big deal. It doesn't happen to everybody. And whatever it was basically, you know, like if he couldn't finish whatever, she said, it is a big deal and it doesn't happen to everybody. So those are the lies that we tell men when, you know, things happen. We're like, oh, it's no big deal. It happens to everybody. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I always think about that. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, spectrum of harms, subtle, the subtle. These are like more subtle than assault and um, cheating and stealing. and Yeah. Yeah. The seven deadly sins. Yeah. These so are like damaging. Yeah. And these are like even easier, I feel like behaviors to get into than like the lying, stealing, cheating, mm -hmm. because they're so like, they're so overt, like there's fear of getting caught with those. I feel like this stuff is so like inside your mind, you know, well, you could like, do it on autopilot, right? These behaviors yeah. you could do on autopilot and not realize you're doing them. Oh yeah. 
so easily if their habits, especially. So just everybody be on the lookout for these subtle foes. These subtle foes. Subtle foes. Subtle foes. So what's your title? I think we got a title. Subtle Subtle foes. Subtle foes. But anyways. Not P-H-O. Golden new gods. I got Golden new gods. I think that's how the French say it. A new gut. Right, Lynn? Yeah, new gut. Um, I've got relationships become unbalanced when, we, when we're dealing with these um, different uh, spectrums of harms. And that, that was really resonated with me is um, how you can get so unbalanced with your relationships by doing what you think is just easier instead of doing the right thing and telling your truth of what you want. Yeah, I think my golden nugget here was just like honesty is easier than than being passive and trying to take care of other people that don't need being taken care of. That mm-hmm. you know, it's just honesty. Yeah, is is a good golden nugget here. And um, I just like what you said about picking your battles, Lynn, because that just seems to be a recurring theme in my life right now. So. Yes. But, it was so such a specific thing that you said about one of the specific topics, but Mm -hmm. I think that's a good lesson for me. Yeah. That whole thing is mine is, is the pick your battles, know which ones you're not willing to budge on, know which one like non-negotiables. And there was something else you said. I don't know. I don't remember, but I appreciated it. I'm going to go back and listen to the episode and we hope you go back and listen to the episode and we hope that you share the episode and the whole podcast with all of your friends on Apple iTunes and please visit us on Facebook at telling on ourselves. You can email at us, email at us, (laughs) email at us every day, telling on ourselves three at gmail.com and at telling on ourselves on Instagram. We're all over the place and we need to come visit us. Yes. We will be posting more. We will be pleasing more. We'll be imagining what you're thinking. We won't be passive anymore. We will tell you the truth. Yes. We'll be telling the truth. (laughs) You guys, I think we missed our year anniversary. Oh yeah. I think so. I have to go back and find the date, the exact date. Well, maybe it would have been, would it, would it have been last week, but we didn't, we didn't technically yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Cause it was, we'll figure it out. Right? So we'll do a year celebration next. Well, maybe we need to wait till Vicky's back in the state. So we get together for the first time Hello. in real life. I can't wait. Live and in person. I can't wait either. I can't wait. I can't mama. I can't. well till then till then try Try out toodles thanks for listening we're so excited you're here please subscribe rate and review at apple Podcasts. we're also on stitcher spotify google play and podbean you can find us and join our tribe at telling on ourselves on instagram and facebook tribe out